Anyone who's been in real estate, when you get a deal under contract, something comes up unexpected. It's just unexpected things all the time. Um, and so learning to roll with the punches and focus on solutions instead of problems is definitely big. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back everyone to another show of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. I am your host, Nathan, with Undoor Properties. You can find me here every Monday and today I'm super excited to have the honor and pleasure to be talking to Savannah. Savannah is one of my favorite follows on social media at the net worth nurse. What a tongue twister for me. I'll be it'll be hard for me to get that one right throughout the podcast today, but um, you are a registered nurse with an advanced degree, a real estate investor, CEO and founder of the Net Worth Nurse and Invest Health. And I'm very excited in particular because you're one of the few that is okay and preaches being able to be a parent, have a full-time job, and do the whole real estate thing as well on the side. Savannah, so excited. Welcome. How are you today? Awesome. So why don't uh, why don't we just kick it off with you telling us a little bit about who Savannah is, what you do in life, what you do in real estate, and what got you started? Yeah, definitely. So I'll start kind of with my nursing career right out of high school. I really went straight into nursing. I knew it was the career that I wanted to be in. And so um, started working right out of college at a, a nursing job and pretty quickly went back to school and got my master's degree in nursing leadership and administration just because I loved all the process improvement, operations. I loved the leadership aspect of things. And so um, got that degree and then started kind of climbing the corporate ladder within health care with my eyes set on becoming the CNO or chief nursing officer of a healthcare system and um, was grinding away at that. And then at the beginning of 2020, after having my second daughter, my priorities definitely started to change. And um, it was uh, uh, go coming back from my maternity leave, handing over my three-month-old baby with my husband and I sitting down and getting super specific on our goals and our finances and kind of what we had planned for our future. And we both wanted to be very involved involved in our daughter's lives, yet we were both working Monday through Friday, nine to five jobs, pretty demanding jobs, and it just didn't feel like the flexibility and time freedom that we wanted. And up until this point, we were being super diligent with our money and saving, and we um, paid off student loans, and we were putting away 15 to 20% towards our retirement accounts, and everyone congratulated us for this. This was the best thing to do, and it felt so defeating that we couldn't touch that money until we were 59 and a half, and it didn't really feel feel like the investing that we wanted to be doing. And so um, really just started on Google, looking for different ways to build wealth, passive investments, alternative income streams, um, stumbled upon real estate for obvious reasons, one of the best ways out there to grow wealth, and um, started educating ourselves, got started in single family homes, moved into syndications, and we just got finished turning our primary into a midterm rental. So doing a lot of things in real estate. Are you interested in real estate investing but don't know where to get started or think you don't have the time or money? Are you stuck in your W-2 because the golden handcuffs make it hard to walk away? 
If this sounds like you, check out impactequity.net and schedule some time to talk with the founder, Randy Smith. Randy went from massive income to leaving his W-2 through passive income, and he can help you do the same. www.impactequity.net. I love it. I love it. And what would you say, is it the fact that you had children? Because um, you said handing, handing over your three-month uh, daughter. Um, is it having children that changed your mind and changed maybe what your, I don't know if it was, you know, goals for you or, you know, you talked about being the chief uh, nursing officer, I think you said, CNO, right? Mm -hmm, to yeah. Now it doesn't sound like you want to do that anymore. What changed there? Yeah, um, really just wanting to be, have more flexibility with my family. And I realized climbing the corporate ladder in the healthcare system wasn't going to get me that. It was really being at a Dodgers game with my family. And at the time, I was a manager overseeing many procedural departments in a, a hospital. And one of them was the cath lab. And it was after hours. And I was on the phone for about an hour at the game trying to solve a problem that was going on at the hospital. And it was just doing that regularly, consistently it gave me a really good inside look of what my life would like look like if I continued on this route, whereas opposed to real estate investing and building our own real estate investment business, we are now more in control. I love it. And I'd like to, you know, a lot of what our audience likes to hear is um, how to get started, right? And you said you're doing syndication now. You, we also talked about pre-roll pre here that you had um, a couple single family uh, rentals as well. Um, you talked about your California property now being a rental as well. How do you get started? And, and, and I asked in particular because I think syndication for those who know what it's about might seem daunting or complicated to get started. Uh, so I'm curious if that's where you started or if you started more with um, by happenstance turning that primary into a rental. How did it start for you? Yeah, uh, well, starting buying that primary residence. So when I moved down to Los Angeles, California, I think I was 26 at the time, and everyone was like, there's no way you can buy a house in LA, can't do it. And so it just motivated me even more. So I was working two nursing jobs. I would sometimes work from 5.30 to 2 at a pre-op center in Beverly Hills, go home nap, and then work from 7 p.m. to 7a. Did that a couple nights a week for almost a year um, to save to, uh, well, no, about six months to save to get a enough for that down payment on that primary. Um, and then once we started learning about real estate investing and educating ourselves about it, um, it was a light bulb moment for my husband and I in a sense of like, this is our ticket out of our W-2. Like if we do this right and go all in on real estate, we will build a fantastic life for ourselves, um, uncomparable to the ones that we're envisioning climbing the corporate ladder. And so um, education was the biggest first step. That would be through podcasts, YouTube videos, we didn't really have any friends and family doing this stuff. And so we didn't have a network of people to rely on. And so we were doing a lot of self-educating. Um, and then once we decided that we were going to buy these new build townhomes over in Atlanta, Georgia, we didn't have any money to start. And so it was talking to a really good lender and realizing, hey, we have $100,000 worth of equity in our home. We were so new in real estate investing. We didn't even know what equity was and appreciation, didn't know we could tap into that. But 
um, talking to another, a great lender who kind of educated us on the process, we realized we could pull out some of that equity with a second mortgage and use it as a down payment to purchase cash flowing real estate. And it was looking at the math on YouTube videos. It was like Brandon Turner, bigger pockets, just going through like, you know, rent, here's your expenses, what you do for property management and looking what cash flow looks like and what that means for your life, that that was the moment we decided, okay, if we get this math right, do the underwriting and the research, we can make this work. So this was after you bought your primary in LA, pulled out some equity from that property, essentially to buy two properties in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, exactly. And then it was once we closed on those that we were like, what's next? How can we keep scaling our real estate portfolio? And by that time, we had generated some interest from friends and family because they knew we had bought, bought those homes yeah. across the country. And they're like, wow, you guys are getting into real estate. How are you doing this? And then we didn't even know this at the time, but people kind of pooling together resources, people putting up cash and partnering in a way is what real estate syndications are. And yeah. so um, we set out to um, raise money from friends and family to go out and by apartment complexes. I love it. Um, and if we just step back for a second here and back to those two properties in Atlanta, how, what mindset were you in? And maybe I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, weren't you terrified to go buy two properties that I don't know if they were sight unseen or not, or if they were just like, uh, like virtual tour type stuff, but buying, you know, very expensive assets, you know, thousands of miles away, where, how, how do you overcome that, I guess? Yeah, education for sure. So and doing the underwriting. Originally, when we were looking to get into our first real estate investment, we were looking at the Burr method. So buying, rehab, rent it out, refinance and repeat. And it's a great way to build a real estate portfolio with a fixed amount of income. And so and we because we didn't have a lot of money at that time, we were thinking, okay, this is kind of the way that we'll go to grow our real estate portfolio. And it was looking at deals across the country and knowing that we would be doing large rehabs on them and renovations, which really is the foundation of the Burr method is being able to push value and appreciation into the deal. And never doing anything like that and both working full-time jobs. And at the time we had two kids under the age of two, it just was really out of our comfort zone. We didn't want our first step into real estate investing to be so stressful. And we just like, we're envisioning that that would be very stressful. Like things would come up. Um, and so that's why we ended up doing the, uh, build to rent homes because it's, it's a builder and then they put in their own property management company and they set up these packages. So they're cash flowing a couple hundred bucks a month. And that was, um, safer for us and how we wanted to get started investing. What would you say you learned from that? Because I like I like the that that safer nature, I guess, of a transaction like that. I mean, we did something very similar when we got started. We just used the the online marketplace called Roofstock.com. I don't know if you've heard of them or not, but it's similar. It's not a built to rent, but it's essentially a marketplace for um, you know, rental properties and making it really easy for people that, uh, want to buy rental properties to be able to do so with like the whole support system. Um, but what, what would you say you learned from, from those transactions? Yeah, I would say exactly how you mentioned the support system that they kind of provide the lender property management team inspection. Obviously we had a third party inspector come in though. Um, for us, it was a great way to take action. We were ready to go, ready to jump in on something. And although I'll say now, you know, in hindsight, it definitely wasn't the best investment for our money in terms of making it work for us. Um, we were wanting cash flow, and that thing was only cash 
flowing a couple hundred bucks a month. And then we had a turnover at six months and it completely depleted our um, cash flow because we needed new paint, which was like $3,000. And so um, we didn't really end up cash flowing too heavily on those properties, although we were able to sell them for two years, like two years later, each of them made a $70,000 profit. So it ended up being a good investment in the sense of appreciation, which just goes to show how powerful real estate investing is. Because although it wasn't putting extra money into our pocket every month, that we ended up coming up way ahead just by owning, by taking that first step, buying them and closing on them. Yeah. And I'm curious because you touch on something interesting there where you said, you know, after six months, I think it was, you know, you had this uh, tenant turn that just wiped all of your profit clean, essentially a story we've all heard many, many times before. Um, what, what, did it take for you and your husband to not, I guess, give up at that point? Because I feel like a lot of people might. It was like, well, there you go. I tried it for six months and this thing doesn't work, right? Real estate doesn't work. Yeah, grit and persistence. And I think that's something that we've both carried out through our personal lives and our careers. And we kind of apply it to everything in our life. That's just kind of how we work. And it's it's a practice. You know, it's not something that comes naturally for people. Grit by Angela Duckworth is an amazing book that talks all about this, shares great statistics and information about how grit works. Um, and it is, it's a practice. The more you practice it, the more you learn those behaviors and it makes it easier to push through hard times like that. And so after these single family homes that you had those these built to rent, how um, did you transition to syndication and why? Yeah, I mean, right after we closed on them, we were hungry to do our next deal and didn't have any capital. And so at that point, we were looking, you know, how to build real estate without any money. Um, and it was through syndications where if you're willing as an operator to go out, find the deal, do all the work, do the heavy lifting, the sweat equity, you can partner with people who just want to passively invest in real estate. And it's really the perfect combination and the perfect partnership. And so um, at, after we closed on those and my husband and I got really specific of like wanting to build a career, a business out of this and make this kind of our, our main form of investments moving forward, it was, okay, well, we need to create a brand. We need to create a capital raising platform. And so we really went all in the syndication route. And I'm assuming it's been working well for you thus far. Yes, it has been. And has, has anything changed? Like, obviously, you know, macroeconomics are different these times. And sorry, maybe I'm taking a slight tangent, but I'm curious kind of because of the space that you're in, you know, syndication, you know, with the, the lending market today, which is the real estate market today, like macroeconomics and whatnot, um, what's changed? Is it harder, easier, scarier? Is there anything different? It's different for sure, but not necessarily harder, I don't think. I mean, we were coming into real estate investing uh, middle of 2020, which was the height of the COVID pandemic pandemic when literally no one knew what was going to happen. And we were out buying real estate deals. And I mean, there was the chicken littles out there that were saying, well, what, who knows what's going to happen in the world? You know, I mean, um, the sky's falling to certain people always. Um, but us, we always tend to focus on the positives. Um, and we mitigate a lot of risk with our deals through underwriting and market research. There's a lot of trends that you can study um, to do your numbers and, and put 
build in some cushion and wiggle room operating reserves. And so um, that's how we mitigate a lot of risk moving forward. I would say now in terms of underwriting, um, it's different in a sense that there's definitely not as much competition as there was, um, not, not as much deals um, just because there's not as much um, movement in general. Um, and the, the rising interest rates just change our business model in a sense where maybe we're not cash flowing as much, but the appreciation that we're getting at sell or because um, most of ours are value add deals that we're holding for about a five year period um, that we can still make the numbers work. I love it. And I'm curious for, for those who are looking to get started, right? That's a lot of the, the audience who's you know listening to this show. But so you have your primary residence in LA that got converted to a midterm rental. You did single family homes remotely. You now do syndications. Which is the best or which is your favorite to get started? Yeah, I would say the midterm rental has been very interesting because we're cash flowing so heavily on that. So a little bit more information about that deal. So I bought that home. It's a three bedroom, three bath town home um, in Los Angeles, California. Um, and we bought it for $445,000 at the end of 2016. Um, it's since appreciated over $300,000. It's been a great investment in that sense. Um, but it's really the perfect layout for a midterm rental. So a midterm rental is for traveling healthcare professionals greater than a 30 day stay. So in Los Angeles, California, if you do short term rental, um, you have to abide by city guidelines and restrictions, compliance stuff. Um, also, I have an HOA at that house when they don't allow anything less than a 30-day stay. And so what we're doing is um, there's two master suites on the third level, and then it's uh, a separate room and bathroom on the second level. And so we're renting out, in a sense, each room as a private room and bathroom for each of them, 2000 a month. Um, so we're bringing in 6000 a month, and our mortgage on it is uh, $2,400 a month, and we have the second mortgage mortgage on it that we use to buy those homes in Atlanta. And that's about 300 bucks a month. So all in for lending expenses is 2,700 a month. Um, all in expenses around 3,000. So we're clearing $3,000 a month in cash flow on that deal. Um, and why we ended up converting it in the first place, I've, I got to share this with everyone. Um, we went out, um, my husband recently left his full-time W-2 about three months ago. I had left my full-time W-2 end of 2021, was still working per day. I just went back to work part-time, so I'm working 24 hours a week, two 12-hour shifts in the hospital um, now because we wanted to relocate from Los Angeles. We have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and a growing family and just wanted some more room, um, and pretty much we could live great anywhere else besides LA with that yeah, expenses, and so we um, were looking to purchase a new home, and every lender I talked to wouldn't lend to us because we didn't have a high enough income because we had left the full-time W-2s and it was hearing no, no, no again and again. It was like, no way. We own millions of dollars of real estate. We can't get approved for a loan for a new primary. Um, and that's because our businesses, our syndication businesses, um, are less than two years old. And, um, so it took getting really creative of, of like, how can we make this work? And real estate is so powerful. I mean, we're house hacking our primary residents, clearing $3,000 a month. So it's basically allowing us to live rent free somewhere else. So many important pieces of uh, information in there. Um, so 
we we kind of went off on a tangent here because you were telling us about this slam dunk, in my opinion, around your you know former primary residence. But what about um, for someone looking to get started? Should they do midterm? Should they do remote single so, family? Should they do syndication? Yeah, I, I like the midterm one because it was fairly easy to get started in a sense. So we spent about it was we used half our furniture. We left about half of it, took half of it with us, and spent maybe seven an extra seven thousand dollars to get us to the point where now we're cash flowing 3k months. So overall ROI is really high in that investment in terms of getting cash flow back in our pocket every month. Um, the long-term rentals were easy, but not heavy cash flow, but we did make up for that in appreciation when we went to sell. So those ended up being great investments for that type of um, strategy. And our syndications are, um, they're a great way to get started passively in. I recommend anyone who's wanting to get into syndications to invest as a passive investor to see kind of how they work on the other end of things before taking the jump to start doing them yourself and running and operating these deals. Um, before we got started in syndications, I mean, we spent $30,000 on a coaching program to get in. I mean, there's a lot to learn um, in the space. And I mean, if you're taking hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars of other people's money and putting it to an investment, I mean, we wanted to be educated and doing everything possible to make sure we were prepared to do that. And so investing in a heavy coaching program was big for us. Yeah, that's a little bit what, what I was trying to get to with that question, right? Because there's different levels of uh, like the learning curve for each of these types of investment is very different. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I think it's important for people to understand and realize that and pick the right one that suits them best when they're getting started. Yeah, syndications are a beast in a sense that they're larger deals and most of the time done in teams where you have someone ahead of acquisition, someone doing asset management, investor relations, capital raising. There's a lot of moving pieces in these big deals. And so anyone wanting to get started in real estate syndications, um, I would learn a little bit more about the different roles in the general partnership team and then what skill set you have or what you like in real estate investing and see what you could potentially contribute to a, a team like that. Yeah. And in all of these things that you've done thus far, right, what's your favorite success story that you like to share with others? Maybe it's the midterm rental in uh, LA. I don't um, know. But. I mean, that's, I guess, yeah, kind of my talking point right now, for sure. Um, it's just such a cool strategy to watch. Um, the last two years, I didn't get to jump into the short-term rental game, and I had a bunch of friends jumping into that. And so um, that was kind of a little a little regret not getting one of those under contract over the last couple of years, just because I would love to have vacation homes all, you know, in different parts of the don't country. That's a huge goal, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the best way to make that happen is just to get short-term rentals and then they're paying for your life too. Um, such a cool strategy. So I feel like the midterm rental was a cool way to kind of see how you could push cash flow even more. I didn't even share the number, but a, a long-term rental in my primary residence would only collect about $3,000 a month, max 3,500. So the difference that you can generate in income just by switching it from a long-term rental to a midterm rental. And as an investor, it's really not that much extra work. But um, for me, seeing the difference there is yeah huge slam dunk what about like uh i don't know if i want to call it a horror story but it can't be all uh unicorns and rainbows here what about like uh like a, maybe a difficult time that you feel comfortable sharing with the audience and you know what was that and what you what did you learn from it 
Yes, there are lots of difficult times in this. Um, anyone who's been in real estate, when you get a deal under contract, like something goes wrong, and the and the, you know, I mean, something comes up unexpected. It's just unexpected things all the time. Um, and so, learning to roll with the punches and focus on solutions instead of problems is definitely big. But um, yeah, I mean, for example, when we bought our um, 12, our first syndication deal, it was a 12-unit apartment complex up in Oregon, $1 million price point. Um, we were told by the broker that we could convert a storage unit into an additional studio unit, which really in multifamily skyrockets the NOI, the net operating income, and it can just earn you a huge um returns. And so that was a huge part of our business plan. We vetted it out with the engineers. We had them draw some plans for us, quoted us. We talked about it with our coach that we were going through with the coaching program and um, thought we checked all the boxes with that. And then we went closed on the property. And then the engineer goes to pull permits from the city and we can't build another unit. And it's just like, oh my, like, why do I have to tell this guy how to do his job? Like, was that not part of his job? It just made me like think back about my nursing career and like what people think when they come to the hospital, like what type of care and like, you know, and it just, it felt so frustrating of like, we did, we had the coach, coaches looking over our shoulders, like, no, what, you know, how could this have happened? And it was, I mean, I still remember exactly where I was in the hospital when I got that email saying we couldn't do it. And it was just like my whole heart dropped. I couldn't believe it. And it was just, then kind of going back to the drawing board of like, all right, let's figure out a solution. What do we need to do to make this right for our investors? Because that was like our first deal. We had only raised $200,000. It was like my father-in-law and aunt and one of the nurses I worked with. And so it was like, man, we need to do right by our investors. And so we were just looking back at the numbers and ways we can make it work. And so we ended up rehabbing the storage units, um, ended up uh, renting them out for 70 bucks a month. And it still allowed us to achieve that rental income that we were hoping hoping to achieve without having to pay $30,000 to renovate it into a new studio. So, and we ended up saving ourselves on that one, but it was hard lesson. Yeah. Well, you, I guess if you learn from the lesson, it's a good lesson maybe, yeah. right? But again, what I love in the story there is back to what you were saying earlier, there's grit obviously and creativity here around how you found a solution to, to get out of this positively, right? Or successfully, right? Despite what you might've thought was maybe a, a failure. Yes, exactly. And um, if you could go back in time to when you were younger, 18, pick your favorite age, it doesn't matter. What would you do differently to maybe fast track your success or fast track where you're at now? Oh my gosh, more self-care for sure. I was partying hardcore in my 20s. Um, I stopped drinking alcohol after I had my second daughter and that was just, I mean, the social situations and things that we were doing was sucking up so much time out of our lives. You know, I just didn't even realize that until you kind of separate yourself from that lifestyle. And for us, I mean, it's just changed our social circles, the type of conversations we have. I mean, when you start taking better care of yourself and are more in tune with what you want and um, that type of stuff. It allows you to just function better in life. <laughs> I love it. What would you say your secret to success or your secret sauce is Savannah to help you kind of, you know, achieve everything that you've shared with us, you know, thus far and everything you've achieved in life? What do you tell people when you encounter them and you know like a lot of times oh i'm very interested in real estate but i wasn't dealt the right hand of cards or my parents don't have the money or i have a full-time job and two kids i can't do it i don't have the time what what do you tell those people what's your secret sauce 
setting goals um, and getting really clear about where you want to be. So for us, when we got started real estate investing, it was like looking at three years, okay, three years from now, where, what do we want to be? Like what type of conversations do we want to be having? What type of business deals do we want to be doing? How much income do we want to be bringing in from our real estate investments? And for us, it was $10,000 a month from real estate. That's what we wanted to get to. And so it was kind of backtracking, okay, what do we need to do at two years, at one year to make it happen? And then it kind of lays out this action plan of what you need to do to get there. How many deals do you need to be underwriting in a week? How many calls do you need to be taking with investors? How many social media posts do you need to be doing to generate interest? Like there's, it kind of, when you set clear goals and then backtrack, you can kind of get those action items that you need to do. And a little hack or trick that we've kind of done is setting rewards for ourselves. So any big deal that we close on, uh, my husband and I take like a little two night trip somewhere fun. We went to New York um, after our last one just for three days. And it was just so fun to know, have that to look forward to and something to kind of keep you going when times are hard because they definitely get hard. Um, And it just holds you accountable. And then, you know, three years go by and you start reaching those goals, then it boosts your confidence too. Cause it's like, man, I did that. What, you know, what else can I achieve? So setting goals has been pivotal for me for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw a post of yours this morning on Instagram, or was it yesterday maybe, about how you and your husband just successfully achieved your three-year goals. Is that right? We did. So crazy. It's like looking back at those things. And like when you set those goals, you're thinking like, how the hell are we going to make that happen? You know, like it just seems so scary. And then, yeah, now three years later to see that we are achieving those goals. And it's a great reminder for us too, as we're growing this business, because it can be very stressful to be an entrepreneur. I mean, that, you know, there's always a thousand things to do. And for us, it's kind of taking a step back and being like, hey, we're, we're living the life we dreamed of three years ago. Like we're, doing it and um, we'll continue to make it happen. So now on to setting the next three years worth of goals, right? Yes, back to the drawing board. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good problem to have, especially if you reach them, you know, so that's great. What do you tell people to get started? Is it the same? Just set goals and get going or like what do you have like a, a tip or trick for like helping people take action? But besides the goal setting, I would say another huge piece is just educating yourself through, um, whatever motivates you, you know, is it reading books? For me, it was listening to podcasts. I loved listening to podcasts and hearing stories of people that were out doing real estate deals. And for me, it was eye opening in a sense of like people from all walks of life with all backgrounds, different careers, because it can be nerve wracking coming into the space, real estate investing. It seems so foreign and it seems like, how are you ever going to get the hang of it? And it was kind of hearing those stories of, wow, all these other people are doing it. Like why, why not me? And so that was the motivating piece that I needed. And then also learning the language. Cause that's a huge barrier. When you come through, you don't know any of the terms. And so listening to podcasts and listening to how other people talk about real estate and the terms and the, yeah, just the language. It's really helpful as you're getting started. I'm so happy to hear you say that because I have a checklist that I hand out to some of our the people that we interact with that are interested in getting started. And one of the items on the checklist is learn the lingo. And I don't know that I've ever seen or heard anyone say it like that before. But as like, I agree with you, it's so, so important. And not only is it important, but I feel like once you get like the few critical pieces of lingo in place and you understand what they mean, it kind of catapults how quickly you can kind of navigate and operate in the space. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And I work with a lot of healthcare professionals and they come into this and they're like so defeated and discouraged. Like, how am I going to learn this stuff? And I'm like, you've learned medical terminology. Like we did not know this when we first started. And now like, you know, looking at chicken scratch and all the medical abbreviations and that type of stuff, like we know it like the back of our heart in the healthcare space. And so I always encourage healthcare professionals with it's just a new language. You got to learn it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you were talking about education being really important. So, um, you know, why don't we segue from there? Do you have like a preferred book recommendation that you like to uh, tell people to pick up and read? Oh, I, I could go. That list is very long, but I'm going to say right now, I'll just give you um, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. I read that one recently, um, especially as I'm starting to scale my business um, and bring in people to help. It can be very daunting to think, how the hell am I going to get all this stuff done? And that book really changes your mindset into thinking, who, you know, leveraging all the who's in your life, people who actually know how to do the stuff that you're wanting to do um, and bringing them in to kind of fill that gap. Yep. Uh, absolutely love that book. And you obviously can't see this, but like a post-it note right on my screen here says who, not how. So just love as it. a constant reminder <laughs> to be like, stop trying to solve the hows or solve the problem, yes. but find somebody who can help you with that particular problem. How so about a, a, a tool, an app, a piece of software, something that you use on a regular basis that kind of helps you run your life and be successful like you are? Oh, my calendar link. I don't know what I would do without that at this point, um, especially as I'm starting to grow my business and manage different calls with people. I'm, I mean, the who, not how, right? So when you start realizing you got to talk to all these other people, your calendar gets full um, with different yeah. conversations. And so my Calendly, Calendly has been big. Yep, same here. Use it all the time. All right, Savannah, I want to make sure we're mindful of your time here and get start getting you out of here. How about um, last question, I guess, for you? How can our audience help you? How can they find out about your syndication opportunities and reach out to you um, if you so wish? Yeah, I love chatting real estate, if you can't tell. So uh, Net Worth Nurse on all social media handles. So Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, yes, even TikTok. Um, my website is networthnurse.co and I have a calendar link on there. I, I, If you're interested in anything I've been chatting about, would love to talk. Wonderful. Well, Savannah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Hopefully, we'll have you on again soon when we hear about your next syndication deals and other investment ventures. Thank you so much for your time. And as always, sorry, we'll put all of this information in the show notes. Thanks so much, Savannah. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.